0: Hello, Arc Ryan listeners. We have a favor to ask.
1: Yeah, and both Marshall and I are terrible at asking favors, so just bear with us. So we've been talking to several potential sponsors for this podcast. And um, Marshall, how did that go? How did talking to sponsors go?
0: Well, one word, badly. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, we realized thanks to you guys, there's a lot of listeners and people have been reaching out for sponsorships and we've taken long, boring meetings about it
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's not helping to both Marshall and I can't seem to sit through a meeting.
0: <laughs> no, and we realize that we don't want to voice that on the audience, essentially. So our ask is a little help from you guys. Dina, how would that work?
1: Here's what I'm thinking. There's a lot of you guys listening. All of us occasionally have either fancy coffee or get fancy drinks of bars. If you... Go to PayPal and type in at Art Grind Podcast. You can donate some money if you want, which we will use to pay our editor and pay our producer. Or better yet, you could subscribe for something like ten dollars a month, which would be the price of two fancy cups of coffee or a fancy drink at a bar. A, we would be hugely grateful. B,
0: we would release more episodes. I feel like you guys are a real patient audience and we appreciate that. We we understand we're not consistent. We We're not slick as other podcasts, and now we're thinking, hey, a little bit of money to help pay a couple of people to get this out a little more frequently could be a help. I mean, honestly, we're going to do it one way or the other, but it could help us a lot. (laughs) It'll still be the sloppy uh, show that you guys apparently love because there's a lot of listeners (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but hey, maybe it'll be less sloppy if there's money.
1: <laughs> I guess we are doing it one way or another. Okay, so guys, know that if you choose to completely ignore this and donate nothing, we will still come out with an episode approximately twice a month. If you do this, it's at our Grind podcast on PayPal. We'll be hugely grateful. We'll use the money wisely. And if not, then we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and paying for it ourselves, which is what we do right now.
0: Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome to the Art Crime podcast. I'm here with co-host Dina Brodsky and our guest today is Alfonso Dunn. Hey guys, you're in for a real treat on this one. Alfonso is charismatic. He's got some stories of a little art world drama and he went deep into talking about line quality and what that means to him. And I got to say the way that you use lines is some of the most beautiful line work out there for sure. Could you tell us a little bit about what what that means to you? Because there's a lot of different ways to draw something through value, through shape, and you seem to really focus on the line.
2: I'll tell you something, <clears throat> and I've shared it this before. So, first of all, drawing is a bit autobiographical for me. Right? I grew up in Jamaica. I moved here when I was 17. So in Jamaica, you know, we're well—not everyone, but for me. Uh, I didn't have that much access to like finer materials, like painting and so on. So what was always available was like a ballpoint pen. You could find ballpoint pens everywhere, and uh, colored pencils, and that's uh, and a lot of number two pencils. And I think that's why I've stayed faithful to number two pencils too, even though I've been exposed to like a higher grade, you know. So I've always had that initial introduction to drawing, and felt like out of uh necessity. I had nothing else to use. So uh, that actually initiated my interest in drawing. Like, like essentially, like, you know what? If this is what I have, I'll just explore it as much as I can in as much depth as I can. And I used to go to the um to the libraries and like seek out all the draw like I feel I have uh, a copy, whether digitally or in print, of every drawing book that ever existed, you know. Um, and uh, that's how I actually started in drawing. And I think I just fell in love with it because I realized it was so in depth and there's so much, so much to it. And I felt like line is so central to all the other elements. It's so primal, it's so raw, and it's so complex because you can use line to imitate, you can use line to create shapes, uh, value, you can use it to basically. Imitate all the other elements other than color, you know. So I felt like, man, I have everything I need here, you know. So I always felt like I found the right one first, and I just ran with it, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's always been something I just, I just stuck to, and I feel like I have to be loyal to it because it's, you know. <laughs> I kind of felt like if I should venture out, it's like I'm cheating, you know. Like you, come on, you know. We gave it the start. You're gonna, you know. So, uh, yeah, always uh, stayed faithful to it, you know. Yeah, do so I'm, you I'm do have
0: one artist from all those art books that you were copying from? I mean, I would have my guesses as to who you were looking at, but are there a couple that really... No, go sp-
2: go ahead. I, I, I'm interested. Go ahead. Guesses?
0: Who, oh, man. I, I would assume juror's pretty high there, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. And uh, um, Rubens. I love Rubens. Uh, I feel like he was a a bit of a maverick like i like I feel I am you know, and uh he did really playful stuff with his lines, but it was really serious too, you know um yeah, so i, I think there there are other artists too that I really loved different aspects of your lines, but yeah, um hey, can Alfonso, an- could I ask you something because
0: I loved what you just said? I mean, it almost answers a lot of my questions already. You understand, you see personality in lines. You said Durer's lines are playful, but serious at the same time. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want you to go into that a little more because I don't even know if I see lines as intimately as you do in that
2: way. What What would that yeah. be? Yeah, and see, this is why, for example, like uh, even with like, you know, Michelangelo and, and artists mm-hmm. like that, I would I would be more interested in their sketches than their paintings because the paintings they could hide their hand, you know, so easily. But with the drawings, I can go in there and, and really see, like, okay. So this is how we interpreted that. Because, you know, with, with um drawing is like this art of abstraction, you know. It's like this this game of uh abbreviation, of like, how do you say without saying it, you know? So Like, I would look at their dexterity with the way they would show style, but but more importantly, how would they communicate what they know about something? So I would see, you know, I would study their sketches, and I would see how they would interpret, oh, wow, he just used one stroke, and he showed you where the deltoid is inserted in the humerus, you know? I would say, oh, wow, he shows where the sartorius wraps around the inner thighs and drops right into the side of the tibia. So I would look for those things because I was, you know, I was always into science. I loved anatomy. And I would look at how these artists, you know, would not try to create anatomical diagrams. You know, they're not medical illustrators. They're creating art, but they're medically, they're they're anatomically accurate, you know, because you can look and I would study these drawings and study anatomy while I'm studying the drawings, you know? So I would see how they would, um, they would do that. It's almost like saying, you know, like, Okay, I understand. I have to make this anatomically uh, some uh, semblance to anato- being anatomically correct. Because a lot of times, even like like Rubens, which I liked, he would do drawings of uh, of an arm or a study of of the body, and it was not anatomically correct. You see muscles that that doesn't exist. What muscle is that? But it looks truthful. You know what I mean? Because of how his his use of line, so it showed that there was some mastery of anatomy, but. He took the knowledge and just threw it to the side, and then he just ventured into being creative and expressive. You know? So he would like, yeah, this is, this yes, I'm satisfying you people who are looking for the anatomical accuracy. And yeah, you can see that. But he would go off and play, and I would go with him and see how he uses lines to do that. So his lines would, would be um, uh, fulfilling this role and fulfilling that role. And that's one of the things that I really loved with him. Durer, I love Durer's discipline. He's very disciplined, you know, he was uh, uh, so resolute in being uh, uh, so true to observation, but his lines were also beautiful. You know, they were very, very aesthetically pleasing, very expressive, but it was very beautiful. And with Rubens, I felt like it was more just, just like, I'm just having fun with the body, you know, like who cares if this muscle exists? Who cares if this figure is is disproportionate or whatever, you know, but uh, he was just having fun. And I used to I used to love that because I felt like I didn't want to be a slave to the image that I was drawing. I wanted to have fun. And that's the cool thing about lines, because I can draw the eye ten times and it and and my lines take different paths each time, you know. So it's like, it's like a lot of fun for that. So that's one of the things that I loved about his drawings. You know, he would just, I feel like it would just go off, you know, but it would still be disciplined enough to uh preserve. His observations about light and shadow, for example, making sure it's anatomically sound, not as anatomically accurate, but anatomically sound, you know? So it looks believable. Like that's a human being, that's, a, that's an arm, that's a leg, that's a figure that looks structurally in place, you know, but his lines are all over the place, you know? It's really fun. And I would, I would resonate with, with an artist like that more than someone who is just all the way abstract, you know, which I do appreciate at times you know, but because I guess I was more in the representational side, I kind of like, you know, gravitated more towards him.
0: Um,
1: So how early did you start drawing? Were you one of those kids with, you know, a pen in your hand always?
2: You know what? That's interesting, right? Because I think of myself as I'm always drawing. And my earliest memory goes back to like the second grade. I remember I made like a comic book and I gave it to my friends and stuff like that. But when, I, when we have like reunions and I uh, like meet up with um, schoolmates I had when I was like, you know, a kid, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, going up there. They always said, man, you were always drawing. I'm like, really? And like they tell me memories that I have like, yeah, you were like always drawing. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, man, I guess I was. Because I have like a, a portfolio of like, drawings I had um, since I was like a kid. I'm like, man, I drew a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, you know? I feel like it would scare people how much I drew. And I feel like, um, I remember when I was at at, um, the Academy, Dina, and um, I think it was Sabin Howard. Um, And he said to me, Alfonso, you have such a facility. I never forgot that, you know? And I felt like, I was like, "Eh, not really. It's just... It's just like what you said about the the painting the birds and how that I think you'll to me how I interpret it is, is if you have you have memorized that process. So it it seems easier to you, but it's because you have internalized that process. I've been going through it so many times. it's like I've drawn the figure so many times. And so it's after a while, you start skipping certain steps. It's like when you're driving and you pass, like, well, I don't know if it's happened to you, but. I've gone through like, you know, four or five lights. And I'm like, well, when did I go through that one? So I stopped at the red light, you know, like you don't know how <laughs> you actually stop, but your brain just takes over certain things subconsciously. And it frees your mind to do other things, you know? So I feel like the discipline and uh the work ethic I had kind of like take takes care of certain things that most people would have to think about. So I that, you know, I don't have to remain conscious about everything anymore. Certain things just you know, like people would say, oh, how do you choose your lines? And I really don't know, you know, because that's so far gone in the subconscious. The subconscious takes care of that now. Like now I'll pass that. And that's what instruction does that I find exciting. I I get a chance to go back and on try to unlearn and pretend as if I didn't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you see him as like a puzzle? Like... Uh... So so you've, I've seen you draw like a lot of things, but like say an eye, for instance, each eye you draw, is it, is it a puzzle to find quicker pathways or more expressive lines?
2: Quicker? Quicker? No, because I, because time doesn't exist to me when I'm drawing, you know? Um, Yeah, I really don't factor in time, but I wouldn't say quicker. I would say, um... Lines that lines that can fulfill as many different functions as possible, you know? So, for example, like when I draw with line, line as like I was sharing with you, line can account for value, it can account for texture, it can account for form, it can af- account for outline and contour, um, and it can it account for expression, and it can account for just aesthetically pleasing. A line can just look pretty, you know, regardless of what it does. So, sometimes I would... Um, Try like say for example I'm drawing like the eyelid, you know, I would try to find a line that that captures the mass, the weight of the eyelid, that captures the form of the eyelid, and also adheres to light and shadow. And also is pleasing to look at, you know. I like pretty lines. So I would try to that's that's the thing. And and a line, you can have a space and a line can take an infinite amount of paths through that space. So it's like trying to go against, um, so for example, if, if like a, if uh, a form is, is uh, cylindrical, right? Uh, you, can, you can go uh, cross-sectional, you can go longitudinal, you can go transverse, you can go across. And I would experiment with all these different types of lines and see different feelings, you know? And sometimes I would go against what's intuitive. And see what happens, even though it makes me very uncomfortable. So I, I, I do those things when I'm, when I'm, so it's not a matter of speed necessarily. It's just like trying to capture as many things as possible with the minimal amount of lines. Because once it gets messy, and that's when it gets messy when you're like, okay, this line captures the form well but not the light and shadow. Then I'll do this one to capture the light and shadow. No, And then, you know, so all the different lines are fulfilling different things. And I feel like that's when it gets messy, you know?
1: So Alfonso, what was your kind of early art education like? So me and Alfonso actually met in right. school, school. And, and at that point, you were already very, 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 very good. Not as good right. as you are right now, but like I still remember probably your CESIS, the drawings from your CESIS project, and that was like 15 years ago. But where were you before that? How did you end up at the Academy?
2: So um, it's funny, I did an interview with the artist artist magazine and I was sharing some similar things. Like um, drawing was always like my, my little private thing. Unfortunately, I didn't have that much support when I was younger, like, hey, you know, you should do the arts. Because, you know, a lot of people, the whole starving artist type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was good in in science, so you know you're good with tying shoelaces. Uh, people who tie shoelaces make good money, so you should go make you know <laughs> tie shoelaces. You know, so I was good in science, and of course the natural thing is like, oh, you should be a doctor. So I'm like, oh, okay, sounds good. You know, um, so I went to college, but I was always drawing. I was always studying. You know, uh, so most of my art education, to answer your DNA, it's like I was was more mostly like on my own. I was acquiring as many books as Okay, what I did though, which I feel is a bit unusual, is like I would I would find colleges, find art institutes that was, you know, that were dedicated to art education, fine art, studio art education. And I would find their syllabi, and I would study the syllabi, and I would study the books that they referred to their students. So I would find colleges and and I would find sample syllabi and textbooks and see so I wanted to be able to expose myself to what is structured education what does it look like and put myself through it so were you actually in med school is that it and 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 you So I so so in undergrad I was a, I was I was in, I was a chemistry major actually I was a biology major at first and after the first semester I was like no nah, biology is too much reading you know Like a biology textbook, if it's like 20 pages, you have to memorize 18. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's not fun. I'd rather do chemistry because chemistry, you can have a 20-page chapter and then you just memorize like five. The rest is just principles. So, yeah, I was drawn to chemistry. And then I did. Okay, I'll give you a really interesting anecdote, right? So, I only did one art. I went to William Patterson University in in Jersey. I did one art course. And that was with Luke Allsbrook. Plus, I didn't like their art programs because it was more like abstract expressionist type stuff. I wanted to do representational. So I did a live drawing course with an, an adjunct at the time, Luke Osberg. And uh, I was a sophomore, I think. And I did the course with him. I really loved it. And he said, "You know, Alfonso, you draw really well, you know. Um, If you ever have time, I know because we used to talk, you know, you know, I was. Well, I planned on going to med school and stuff. It's like, you know, if you ever have the time, um, you should like take a course at this school in New York. It's called um, Art Student. It's at Art Students League or the New York Academy of Art. He said, if you do, you know, take it with um, Ted Smith. And uh, there was another instructor. I was like, oh, thanks so much, you know? And I wrote on a little piece of paper the names of the instructors in the school. And I put it somewhere. But of course, I never got to that. So I was just doing science classes, you know? And I felt I was battling with, like, deciding if I want to do art, if I want to do science. So I ended up, like, failing some classes. And I was a tutor, too, at, at uh, William Patterson. So I remember once, I was, like, failing classes. I was tutoring, you know? Because my mind, I was capable, but my mind wasn't there. I didn't want to do this stuff, you know? So um, I eventually just got to the point where I graduated and I was like, you know, I have to go into a whole bunch of things because I even went to the military at one point because I wanted to run away, you know? So it was a long, long story. But anyway, so I ended up finishing college, right? A degree in chemistry. And I'm like, hmm. I remember my last semester, I worked in a, co- in a cosmetic company, a cosmetic, uh, we were making like lotions and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, what? I like this. I could either get an MBA, get a master's in cosmetic um, science, or an MBA, combine that with my chemistry undergrad, or law school. I was even thinking about law school. My mind is all over the place, but definitely not med school. And then I was like, well... Art, what about art, you know? Like, but I love art. But at that point, I I really not think about, like, doing that because I had undergrad in chemistry. How am I going to go art school, grad school, without an undergrad in art, you know? So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to study art, man. And I started looking up schools. But this is in May. So, of course, you know, most grad school, the the, uh, deadline already passed, like, in the spring. So I'm looking, 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 looking. I'm looking at SVA. I'm looking at all these schools, Parsons and whatnot. And then I saw a New York Academy of Art. You know, they had a deadline to June 4th. This was like May 22nd, 2004. I'm like, hmm, maybe I could go here, you know? And then uh, I was like, what do I need to apply to an art school anyway? At that time you needed slides, you know, they weren't like CDs now or whatnot. Or like a, a cloud drive, you know? So I had to have slides made, recommendations, all this stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Started checking out places to make slides. Happened like I needed exactly two weeks for them to make it. And the drawings were drawings that I was doing on my own, you know? And um, I applied. Anyway, I got all that done and applied. And at that point, the I believe the application was due june 4th and it, i got everything on june 4th so i had to drive to the academy to deliver it you know fortunately i live in jersey so i had to drive 45 minutes and i remember i gave it the guy whose name was andrew i don't know if you remember dina um yes drew and i and i actually delivered the package to him in my, and it's like here you go this is my application you know and then um two weeks later he called me he Was like yeah you got it i was like Man, I was through the roof. I was all over the place because this was my first time to actually just be in a space where just everybody were just in art, you know, and uh, I was so excited. So going back to that anecdote about the instructor I had at William Patterson, the one who told me, I think it was my second year in and I found a sheet of paper and it was the name of the school. And I was in a class with Ted Smith at the time. It was crazy. Yeah, I was actually, and I completely forgot about that. I was actually moving, and I found it. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in the class in the same school, school I completely forgot about. That was like five years ago." That's such
0: a big shift, you know. You're you're this bright guy, and you're on on a track to have a stable future at the you know medical, or you even talked about law. It's like I, I know that that stuff is so gratifying. The parents to when their kids on that path. What did they think when you shifted? When you said, you know, what guys are going art
2: school? Yeah, it was it was scary for them. And I mean, you know, uh, I and I understand. You know, of course, goal of every parent they want their children to be stable. They want them to, yeah, you want them to be happy, but you want them to be able to survive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> take care of themselves. You know, so I understood. Looking back at that time, of course, I was very angry. You know, I was like, oh my God, you guys don't appreciate my art. Da, da, da. It is important to me, you know. And all they seem like, yeah, you like to draw people and stuff. That's nice. But anyway, so uh, Bill was, you know, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's so but I, I, you know, it, it, for them, it was like, uh, I think they just saw it as a hobby, you know. They're like, oh, you're so nice. You're so talented, you know. That's so why, like, I guess that's why I had this growing resentment for the word talented. It's like, so demeaning to me. It's like, oh, you're so talented. I'm like, what? No, I'm not talented. You know how much work this is? There's no talent in this. You know?
1: Actually, I'll, I'm, I'm with you. I hate yeah. the word talented. Uh, like, uh, talented is this kind of bullshit word. Talent sounds easy.
2: Exactly. And lazy.
1: Kind of. Like, oh, yeah, you're just born with this facility to um to make stuff. That Whereas really, like, it took you... I mean, at that point, like, you know, we're both pretty young in grad school, but it took you your whole life to learn how to do that while also doing all Definitely. this other stuff.
2: Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah. So when people say that, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. Talent is there's no talent here. <laughs> this is like just.
1: So here's the thing, like, I think there probably are people for whom it's easier to, I don't know. Run and kick a ball, or you say I have slightly better hand right. coordination. But like, I feel like that's like one percent of everything, and the rest of it is just like if you're willing to work at it and if you're willing to work at it, you're gonna get better faster than everyone who's like better coordinated, but it's just not working as
2: much. yeah, I, exactly. I agree. and I, and I feel like you know, it's like it reminds me of um when people ask about like you know this talent and skill type debate, you know, and I'm like, I know. I know I do have talent, you know, because there are things that came to me naturally a long time ago that I, am like, how did I think of that? You know? But I feel like that accounted for maybe like 15%, you know, of like what I achieved, but it's not like a 15%, like you have 15 and then you build the rest, you know, it's not like, I feel like it's a, It's like a 15% that's like an exponential 15%. Or it's like a 15% that's like scattered. Like, it's like, for example, you do work on this, and then the talent would be the thing that makes me think like, how could I challenge this? You know, I feel like that's perhaps the advantage I have, you know, where I can extend on something or build on something or analyze something a bit further than you know the average person would. But I also feel like the more you know, the more you know. You know what I mean. So by studying, it amplifies your studying and your your ability to perceive and see. Because there are a lot of things I see now, and it's from it. It comes from what I know or what I discovered that enable. So I I don't I don't know. I I know there is some talent, but I you know a lot of it was just crazy hard work. Do
0: you think it's also intelligence, like? the way you talked about Ruben's lines and Durer's lines, there's a lot of intelligence in what you were saying and the way that you think about things. And that seems developed or just natural to you. And I think it it lends itself to a curiosity to dig deep. And I, I think that's so much, oftentimes talent is like, oh, you represent something well. It looks like the thing or whatever, but there's something deep going on with you that's able to, See personality in lines, yeah, I, I, you know? But,
2: yeah, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, you hit a word there, curiosity, because I've always been very, 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 very curious. You know, I just say curiosity killed the cat. I've been, I've been, I've had some close encounters because of my curiosity. I wanted to know too much on so that. Like, oh, crap. Sorry, sorry. I, like, I, I wish I could unsee this, you know? But um, yeah, my curiosity, though. I've always had this very penetrating sense of inquiry. Like I wanted to know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, like, you know, as they say, Einstein said, like, you can know things simple, but not too simple. I wanted to know it too simple to so sometimes I'll confuse myself because of how simple it was. And I'm like, Oh, wait, I reconstructed like, okay, okay. Let's start here. You know? So I'd always want to like break things apart and uh, to its simplest elements. So when I would see these drawings, like I would look at, um, uh, like the Libyan Sibyl, you know, by Michelangelo, and I, I learned so much from studying that um, that study, um, from seeing how he, uh, because I was trying to imitate that effect, and I, had, I remember I did that study. I did like maybe like twenty or so studies of that drawing, and I wanted to understand what was his process, and he was drawing with chalk, and like you know i would try to see where he used tone where he used light how he layered his lines and then i realized like he layered his lines and then blurred it and layered more lines and bl- and that was the the building process and what that did was it gave his lines depth but at the same time it gave him uh it gave him memory of the path taken so he could know what's it's it's, it's like it's a a process of efficiency. He was trying to discover what were the the best set of lines to use to capture this form, and um, and in places where he would compensate that with 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 like tone, and that taught me so much. And um, I re- I remember like attributing that to my curiosity because I didn't stop with just watching the looking at the drawing and copying it. I wanted to know. I wanted to really understand what were his first set of lines. Like, what lines did he start with? Did he even start with it? You know, did it, and I would look at other unfinished part of the drawing and and I'd realize that in the finished drawing, that part was not there. So what did he do with that? What was the purpose of that? And then I started breaking that down, you know, and when I, and I felt like I discovered it, I was like, I I remember I was just running all over the place like, got it, you know? And then um, I was able to like, uh, replicate it. It was one of the most like, that was one of the, the biggest breakthroughs I ever had in drawing. Like, I, I it was just really puzzling. What the heck did he do? And I was just going over it and over it and over it and over it and until, like, I felt like I got it. And I was able to, like, recreate that, you know? And then I started incorporating that into pen and ink and stuff. So there was a time where I was just drawing, like, this this um, with sanguine chalk for, like, maybe, like, a year. Just, that's all, all I did. Because it was just so exciting to make this discovery, you know? And then I had to just continue my process and evolve from that. But I, I guess, you know, going back to what you said about the curiosity thing, like that, that's really a big part of it. I've always wanted to like know like what exactly was that. And I, and I guess I attribute that to science too, because science is like that. You know, like what makes this plant grow? Is it the oxygen? Is it the water? Is it the, you know, the soil? Is it da it that? And you try to isolate all those variables and account for them one at a time and see what's the effect. If it's a collective effect or, you know, individualized or whatever it is. And I kind of like incorporated that in my, my approach to how I use lines, you know. So it's, it's kind of scientific in a way, I guess.
1: I went to school with you for two years and you've basically said more in the last hour of us talking than you said the entire uh, two years at the academy, why didn't you talk to anyone? <laughs> you're, you're so interesting. Mind you, I didn't talk to that many people either, but I feel like you talk to people even yeah, less yeah. than I
2: do. Because I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I'm an introvert by spirit, you know? Like, you know, I love people, you know? I, I love people. I love the, the energy and fellowship, but I, I love my own space, you know? I love, like, delving in. And I, and I, and I also do that because I don't want to feel awkward. You know, I don't want to feel awkward being myself. So I just be my, by myself, do myself. You know, I just do me while I'm by myself so I can delve deep without feeling like, you know, oh my God, you're going too far, you know?
1: To, to me, it felt like, I mean, A, I think I was just, I was intimidated by your drawings and the fact that you always seem right. self-possessed. But you seemed self-possessed and like you were almost impervious to criticism. Like you were just like, you were on your own path and you didn't want anyone messing with that. Was that kind of the right
2: perception, partially? Or? Yes, I feel, yeah. Because okay, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I remember uh, I forgot what drawing class I was in. I felt like I wanted to re, re- reconstruct the program and make it my way. I didn't have the power to because I, you know, okay. I remember I was in a drawing class and they gave us a handout and. Uh, and I was like, wow. Here I saw a diagram from Rache's anatomy book, copied and pasted in there. Goldsberg Anatomy book copied and pasted in there. I felt like it was lazy and it was a big turn up from um, Arthur Thompson's book, copied and pasted. Because I, I was, you know, I did so much self-study. So I was so familiar with like most of the prominent art instruction books out there. So A lot of the material that I saw, I already I was familiar with it, you know, and uh, I I felt like, man, like, like, come on, like, give me something. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I felt I felt a bit frustrated with that to some extent. I wanted I wanted some um, sense of originality, you know, I, I mean, there were amazingly gifted people or I don't like that word either. Proficient, proficient people. You know, they were proficient at what they did, excellent, you know. And um, I wanted someone to translate some of the burning questions I had. Because I, you know, I read some of the books from very good authors, and they were I, I felt like they were having conversations with me, or I was having conversations with them. You know, so when I came here, I feel like my expectations were a bit too high at times. And because of that, I was like, you know. Yeah, I guess I'm just studying on my own also here, you know. So I kind of felt like that, but I feel I may have cheated myself in not opening up as a, a bit more, um, because I realized like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all students and we're all you know learning this thing together, you know. And some of the instructors were also learning too, you know. So, um, and and then it, then it gave I afterwards, you know, in retrospect, I realized like. You know, it's a bit different like with um like in secondary education, you know, teachers are trained to teach, you know. And um graduate um and undergrad sometimes, instructors aren't sometimes taught to teach. You know, you you have an MFA, okay, you have a PhD, okay. Teach this class, you know. So many instructors are really not the best instructors, they're not the best teachers, but they know their stuff. And I can sense sometimes when people know their stuff, but it, it's hard for them to translate that. And uh, I've, I've always tried to be a student of teaching and a student of learning. And um, sometimes I can see where people would know stuff and it would not, it, well, it's challenging for them to translate that over. And I felt like that in some, in some of my classes, you know.
0: What were some of the burning questions you
2: had that weren't answered? Like, okay, <laughs> another anecdote, right? So when I was in undergrad, I was working. I was working on my 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 port my first portrait drawing book. I haven't published it yet. It's like since that's two thousand four, right? Because this pen and ink thing just came out of nowhere. I guess we'll get to that. Um, so I was working on a portrait drawing book. Now, again, back to my curiosity, I wanted to really understand the skeletal structure of the head, skulls, and so on. So. I remember when I used to work in a, in a lab, used to make like um, prototypes for like lotions, hand creams, stuff like that. So whenever I had downtime, I would be on my computer looking up, um, trying to understand the, the skeletal makeup of the head. So I would study like forensic anthropology, um, like when they find remains, how did they identify what, Race or group the person belonged to, and I'd realize that okay, so there are certain anatomical details like nasal, um, the nasal bone structure, of the nasal bone prognatism, the the projection of the the dental arches, the maxilla, the certain shapes that they can look at and say, okay, this person is most likely da da da. So I would study those things, and I would, while I was at work, right? Because I couldn't contain myself. You know, I was at work, but I'm still like you know looking up stuff in my book. So I remember I was calling to the office once, and I was like, ah. Yeah. <clears throat> Alfonso, uh, you know, it's very concerning to us. <laughs> you know, we've been guess you've been looking up stuff, you know. Cause I mean, can you imagine? You're in a a, <laughs> a chemical company, right? You're supposed to be looking up like ingredients for lotions and stuff. And this kid is looking up like skeletal remains and identifying like what? <laughs> uh, <you> know, <laughs> we need to have a time. Uh, exactly. For So, you know, uh, my boss, fortunately, she knew that I was into art. But then I had to explain, like, yeah, I'm working on this art instruction book. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, uh, tone it down a bit, buddy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I can imagine. It was really scary. So I mentioned that to say, when I was at the academy, I remember um, I wanted to find instructors that was that tune with skeletal structure. And I remember the first time I was in um, it's an Echo Shake. I'm not, I don't remember what class it was. But they were talking about, they were looking at a model, right? Because we're, we're creating the, the sculpture from the model. And we're, we're, we're making um, drawings or studies, anatomical studies. And there was a comment on a drawing of the student by the instructor commenting on something about the skull. And I was like, no. It was, it was, it was so fundamentally off. Like it insulted me, you know, I was like, no, you know, but I, I didn't say anything. Yeah. You know, I just, I was like, okay, let's get my joy, you know, but I felt like it was, and so those, I wanted to have conversations about those things with someone, you know? And, uh, you know, I felt like, I felt like if, if I can, if I, I didn't know how to approach challenging that or bring out that, discussion or what I i understood, you know? And um I, I just, you know, so those are some of the things. I wanted to I wanted to just like study under someone. That's what I wanted to do. You know, like someone who really was in tune and I would be able to just go back and forth. So I was hungry for that. And I and I also feel like maybe what I was doing was was maybe um imposing expectations of what a an undergrad student would have wanted from, you know. And I feel like because I didn't have the undergrad education in art, maybe I came with all those expectations and I imposed it on, you know, a bit unfairly on the academy. Maybe that's what I did, you know, but it, it was a wonderful place and it was two of the best years of my life. Like, you know, it, it was I remember because um, I commuted from Jersey. Right. And that was an hour and a half every day. Yeah, like I took a bus from where I lived in in Jersey to um, Port Authority, 42nd Street. And then I took the A train down to the Academy, Canal Street. And I did that back and forth. You know, it was an hour and a half every day. And there were times when, you know, and it's a studio program, you know, like most other uh, master's programs, a studio program. So we're there all day, one class, like five hours, you know, most of the days. So... I would I remember I would fall fall asleep on the bus going home sometimes. I was just so tired. I'll pass my stop, you know, and I'll be the last person on the bus, like, hey, you know. <laughs> so but yeah, I feel like that, those are some of the things that I wanted. And maybe I just, you know, kind of like misplaced some of those expectations on the academy. Cause I was expecting so much, because I was exposed to so much through study, my study, you know. And I was like, the academy, so. Because I I even remember going into the library and I saw, like, I was like, oh, I have that book. Oh, I have that book. Oh, I have this book. Oh, I have that book. Oh, I have that book. Oh, that one, too. Oh, cool. Oh, I have that book. Oh, so I was on the right track. You know, (laughs) I used to go through that. (laughs) Like, oh, cool. You know, like, oh, I have that, too. Oh, really? Wow. You know? Yeah, I I remember um, that experience when I went to the library. I was like, man, this is cool, you know? Because I have books that I can't say that here, but Books, that I you know, like I had, I I had to have, put it like that. You know? <laughs> like I would stay all day and night in the in the library, and I was like, ah, but I, it's tight. Okay, I have to go. But I, how am I gonna go? The book has to come, you know. know? <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Uh, it's a they wherever they were from they ended yeah up you right know?
2: Hands. <laughs> so, yeah I remember returning right books like four years later <laughs> <laughs> and I got everything now here you go thank you you know
1: so um w- what happened to you after the academy
2: so uh after the academy um then I needed to get a job so I started teaching chemistry in high school and actually, I started teaching chemistry uh, in high school, and um, and adjuncting at a community college at the same time. Um, this was a, this was yeah, in community? Jersey State Community College, and uh, I was teaching at a the Patterson School District. I was teaching chemistry, and I was teaching at the academy at the the community college. So that, I did that for a while, and um, but my whole plan was to like ditched that chemistry teaching job but then i started loving the kids you know and i started like like because i you know i'm a teacher by heart you know and i started really enjoying it um enjoying the kids more than teaching and um uh and teaching in teaching but the college and plus college teaching positions are like hard to get you know so um i was looking into that for a while and that's what i did until i i was like I need another outlet. And then I started going on YouTube. And I'm like, I started looking at, you know, at that time YouTube was becoming the thing. And I started seeing videos and I'm like, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. Really? You know? And, uh, but but I didn't want to do what everything else, everybody was doing, right? So I noticed everybody was doing pencil drawing tutorials. I was like, no, I have to do something different, you know? And I thought, well, hmm. Oh, I could teach pen and ink, you know, because pen and ink is scary. You know, it's 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 not easy. It's very intimidating, and uh, maybe I, yeah, I will do that. And then I just dived into pen and ink as like my thing. So I wanted to make that my niche, you know, and uh, it eventually just grew and grew and grew until like you know people thought, oh, you're the pen and ink guy, you know. So it kind of like evolved into that. And that's what, so the book actually, my, my, my two books actually evolved from the content from my channel, you know, because if you look over the, the, the course of the past 10 years on my channel, you can actually see my book in my tutorials, you know? So it eventually just that, so that was like, became my thing outside of like work and, you know, and so on. And plus,
0: for the listeners, can we get the the name of the books and the YouTube channels? So yeah, they well, can
2: find you? my 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 channel is just my namesake, like Alfonso Dunn. Um, because I don't, yeah, I didn't know what else to think of, you know. <laughs> like, at that time, it was like Alfonso Dunn, you know, Alfonso, that's whatever. And uh, the the book painting drawing a simple guide. So that's the first book, and then I just did the workbook, and you know, and I'm so thankful for like the the youtube too because i learned so much you know from people and my experience on there because i remember i did the first book and people were like wow alfonso i love this book Uh, now it's like i want to practice i don't know what to practice i'm like oh crap that's a good point you know what i'll just create a workbook so that's how it evolved you know i just created a workbook you know so that's that's eventually but you know, I, all this time, I was still working on a, on a drawing book. So I was working on a portrait drawing book, the one I got in trouble for at my job. And I just said, like, you know what? <clears throat> yeah, I want to do a portrait book, but I want to draw. I want to teach drawing, you know? And then I'm like, okay, I just started working on a drawing book. And then I kind of like detoured to do the pen and ink book. And then I started working on my book again. And then I detoured to do the workbook. So now I'm back to, you know, I'm working on the third book, which is my my drawing book. So that's eventually, like, that's in a nutshell what I did. I mean, I know at one point um, I had to, when I was working on my first book, right, I was teaching chemistry. But it was so demanding because I had to, like, you know, go home, make lesson plans. You're talking about teaching 90 students, you know four different, three different, four different chemistry classes. I think three to four different chemistry classes. I was getting like, so I wasn't able to like work on my book. So I was like, I remember I was sharing with my sister, I was like, you know, I think I'm just gonna quit this job because I want a job where I can leave work at work. I go home and it's my time, you know? She was like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, you know, you should really finish your book, but make sure you get a job first, you know? Then one day I was like, ah, (laughs) the school year started in September, right? Sometime in like November, I was like, I can't, I can't, I cannot work on my book because it was getting more involving, more involving. And then I just wrote a resignation letter. I didn't have a job. I was went to the principal's office and was like, "Uh, here's my resignation letter, and I just, I just gave them my two months notice, and then, you know a teacher I worked with before, she was the head of HR at the time and she got wind of the letter. So she was like, Alfonso, I heard that you're leaving us. What's going on? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm working on a book and I need time. You know, I can't, I can't go home and work on my, I'm like grading, grading lesson plans. I can't do this. She's like, okay, how about this? If we give you a position that is like, you know, to work as an instructional assistant, would you stay with us? And then eventually you can go back to teaching. I was like, Sure, she's like, yeah, your salary—you lose your salary, of course, you know, da, da da But you still be in the district. You can get your benefits. You have, you know. She's like, okay, and I'll, and I agreed. And then, so, on this, in the January when I was supposed to effectively resign, I rescinded my resignation and I accepted this new position as like an instructional assistant. And that I worked in a special ed program at the time, so that's what I did. And that's how I was able to finish the book on time. Cause when I left work, I was able to just go home and yeah. So I had to make that sacrifice. But if I, but it's funny because I feel like if I didn't just step out on faith and say, you know what, I need to finish my book. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I need to, I just, and I just did that. And then this opportunity popped up, you know what I mean? But if I just stayed there, I would have like, and maybe would have taken like, you know, six, seven years later. I don't know. So I was able to get it done like the end of that year, which was like 2015. And that's when I published it.
0: So you've been on YouTube for like?
2: 2011, 12. So is that, I
0: mean, I haven't talked to many um, artists with a YouTube channel. Is that profitable? How does that, how does that work?
2: Okay. YouTube has evolved, you know, in the time, since the time that I've been on there. I've seen some channels blow up. I've seen some channels just disappear. I've seen it is like burnout capital, okay? So you can really burn, because how many, you know, how many videos can you really create teaching people how to draw? You know what I mean? Like how many times can I tell you this is how you draw an apple? You know what I mean? So eventually <laughs> you have to like um, develop a system. So to answer your first question, yes, it is possible. You can, I do get, you know, income from, Advertisement stuff, but it's not much It's marginal, but is the potential there to make a lot of money? Yes, you can make a, you can make hundreds of thousands a year on YouTube. But you would need to upload two, three videos a week. Wow. And OK, I'll give you an idea. It takes me six to seven hours to edit a 10 minute video. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And that's just editing. That's not writing, uh, come up with ideas, brainstorming, sketching, what, you know, all that stuff. So it can, it's a really full-time job. So that's why you see many YouTubers, after a certain amount of subscribers, they just do it full-time. Because you can really pay, it pays for itself, if you're willing to give that much. But I was never able to, to you know. And plus, I was not, I was not the, well, I, I can't say that. I was going to say I was not the gimmicky type, but I don't want to throw shade on people who are, you know, as if that's what they do to be successful. But there comes a time where you have to decide are you going to do more entertaining or instruction or both? And you find that the people who really thrive on there are people who who do a better job at mixing the entertainment, the personality and, you know, the instruction. And I'm not Mr. You know, hey, here I am. Da da da. Hey guys, you know, here's my cat. You know, da da da. I'm like, listen, I'm going <laughs> to teach you how to draw something, and that's what the video is about. You know what I mean? Like, da da da, da and that's what it is. So, people want to be entertained at the end of the day because it's it's like replacing TV. You know, so if if you're if you're willing to do that, you can you can really make money. But it it and but it really affords you. Such a huge platform to reach so many different, te- some different types of people, different levels of learners, different types of learners, and that can, if you're open, can inform your process, you know, and which is what I did. I allowed it to inform my process and tap into their minds and see like, how did, how does, how was this content, you know? Did it help? Didn't it help? Da, da, da. How did it help? What would you like to see? Da, da, da. That that is really insightful information and you have direct access to it. So if you can really develop, like refine your instruction on there, if you're really, you're really able, you know, really willing to, you have to really be open to that, but it, you have to also manage your energy pretty well. Cause if not, you'll burn yourself out. So yes, you can make money on there. So what you put in is what you get out, but you have to also be flexible and be willing to adapt to what the crowd wants. And I, I haven't been that type. So, so to answer your question, I haven't been that lucrative on there, no, but, but I have garnered a very loyal and solid following, you know, there are just people who will just respect what you do and that's, I've been fortunate for that, you know, so, and I don't, don't, and I'm not, I'm not the gimmicky, I'm not the mister, you know, I just try to just share instruction and um, say, that's what it is, I just, I just want to share with you, you know, and I feel like people respect that and then you know, support my book in kind, but I never did the book um just to say to monetize myself like here is something you can buy you know it's like here is a book that I would have wanted if I were learning how to draw a pen and ink, and I feel people appreciated that and saw the amount of work that I put into it, so it is kind of repaid for itself, you know in that way so so youtube is is awesome. <laughs>
0: It's such an amazing time to, because I do, I I look at a lot of YouTube stuff, and it's like, I mean, like, the the thought that I could just watch you draw on YouTube is insane to me. You know, it's like such an amazing time. Of course,
2: it's amazing. Like, if you really want to learn right now that, you know, be as it may, yes, you will have to sort through a lot of garbage, you know, but quality content is there. If you really want to look, you know, you can find really good stuff. They're really amazingly gifted and talented and knowledgeable people on there that I'm impressed by Sometimes I'm like, wow, that's like so cool, you know, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, but I feel like for students, it's a good time to learn.
1: You mean we don't have to steal books from libraries anymore in order to teach ourselves? Exactly,
2: you (laughs) know. And and which which is what I find now too is like, you know, this argument of well, should students go to art school or not, da-da-da-da. Yeah, I see a lot of that now. Cause a lot of people are like, man, it's YouTube university, come on, you know. It's like it's so much stuff on there. So I, I don't know. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know, you know, they do have a point, but at the same time, you know, it's like the I feel like as human beings, um, especially when you're students or we're learners, like. We need structure, you know what I mean? And if you're not an, someone to impose structure on yourself, YouTube may be a dangerous place. <laughs> yeah, because it's too much. And you, you, you can sometimes bite off more than you can chew, and then that kills your confidence. And, and, and then it stifles your growth, you know? So at least in art school, you're kind of like, you're given this a systematic approach to uh, uh, learning, you know, which is, which is useful for us.
1: So, so one of the things that I actually regret about my time at the academy is not making more friends.
2: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like I've seen, I suck at that, though. You know, that's the thing with me. I may, and I feel like maybe that's where the, the the academy perhaps could capitalize on that more. You know, like uh, focus more initiatives on finding ways to have us socialize more. You know, perhaps have like. Um, And I thought of you know suggesting uh, programs or workshops or initiatives like that where we can it can be like group projects because that's one of the things I did I felt like yeah I feel the same way like I wish I made more friends and I wish I were more
1: yeah so by the way to be fair a lot of the people in our class were making friends and were socializing it's just you weren't one of them I wasn't one of them
2: yeah but I feel like I feel like you know because like for example. When I teach college classes, right, and I've, and I've learned this from secondary education, the training I've had as a science teacher, you know, and I, and I appreciate that. that they, There's really a lot that's invested in training you to be a teacher, um, creating active engagement. Because, you know, not all students will want to participate and not because they don't want to participate, because they're uncomfortable participating. So sometimes you have to uh, come up with creative strategies to kind of break the ice for them and let them go. You know, at least break it and then let them go. And I, I am one who I'm willing to, but it's, it's it's always been challenging for me to initiate that. You know what I mean? And it's not that I don't want to. It's just like, I just, it's just, I just it's just my nature to, you know? And I feel like they could perhaps work on that a bit. But, you know, I, I suck too. So I can't even, I can't even hold them accountable for that com- completely. But um,
0: now that you're in the studio, you know so much. Do you ever find that lonely?
2: You know what? Okay, it's so interesting you said that. I had a conversation yesterday, just yesterday. I work with autistic kids now, and uh, a coworker and I were having a conversation, and we were talking about the kids we have now are like you know ten, eleven years old, right? And I was saying, man, you know it's really a beautiful thing that they're not conscious of the fact that they're autistic. Because then they would feel like, oh man, you know, nobody's talking to me. They don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like I have a kid, he lives in his his head most of the time. Look at Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. He couldn't give a fuck who's his friend, who wants to be his friend. He's happy where he is. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's cool. You know, because when they get older, there's no social, there's no pressure on them. They don't feel this pressure to be like that. da they just they are just existing, you know? And I feel like, um, as an artist, I have a bit of that. Like, I, I love my space. And I don't, I'm not lonely when I have my art. Like, i really not, goes back to what Dina said, you know, about, you feel like art was his wife and he was cheating with his wife, you know? Like, art is like, if I have, is selfish. You know, I have art, I'm like, fuck you guys. I'm good, you know what I mean? <laughs> I I feel like I'm just like you know in this space where I'm okay, and uh, no, I I don't really. I feel the loneliness will come when you open the door. Like oh crap, it's 2027. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know, but when I'm in the space, that's why I said like when I'm drawing, going back to what you asked, of like you know if I try to find a line, like try to find a speedier process. I don't care about time. You know, it's like. When I Sometimes I look at the drawings and I'm like, oh my God, this took a long time. But when I'm doing it, I'm like, time really does not exist. It's just about like, it's just experiences, like going with lines and seeing where they go. And, and that's it. You know, I can just do that over. And that's why I can, I think I can do a million drawings and they all look the same, but they're all a different experience. You know, for someone who's like, oh my God, is another eye? <laughs> you know what I mean? But for me, it's like what, what, what? Oh, oh, no! Oh, really? You know? So yeah, it's 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 like I lose myself in it, you know, and it's never it's inexhaustible, and I love that, you know. There's no need to like break out of that to go. So I, like, I don't know. I guess that that's a handicap, but I, it's a handicap that I I embrace, you know. Yeah, it's like whatever. I'm cool. My hand works. That's fine. <laughs> as I said, I I started creating um, pen and ink content on YouTube since like 2012. I think that was like my first um, instructional video on pen and ink. And, um, and it's funny because as I did that, right. I started finding, I have all the pen and ink drawing books here from Claudia, um, Claudia Nice, Um, like all the prominent, because, first of all, pen and ink is not, you know, you have the, the big umbrella of drawing, right? Then you have graphite, you have charcoal, pastels, pen and ink, you know, pen and ink wash and so on. So pen and ink is like this niche under the, the big umbrella of drawing, right? So <clears throat> you can have like perhaps like over thousands of drawing, drawing books on drawing in general, but pen and ink, there's like a few. And a few good ones, you know. So of course I've had I have all of them and I've studied them. And um and I, I felt like as I took on this challenge, you know, that's the thing that's YouTube, going back to YouTube is beautiful because it's this um, it's an organic experience. It's like, yeah, you're putting up videos on, on the internet, but people are commenting and you're commenting on the comments and vice versa, and that helps to refine your process. And so I've learned stuff from, from posting and from people. So in a nutshell, um, my I started getting more and more focused in my pen and ink instruction To the point where it's like, people are like, man, you should write a book. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, maybe I should write a book, you know? And uh, I started dabbling with the whole idea of um, developing a book until... But it wasn't until I felt like I had something to say, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to just create a book just to create a book. You know, like I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to have something unique to say to add to the legacy of pen and ink construction. So like prior, you know, art instructors before me who have written pen and ink books can say, That's a nice addition, Alfonso, you know? They can look down the line and say, yeah, you added to the library of, you know, good job. You know, I want to feel like I've added another brick, you know, or something, another pillar or something. So um, I really took some time to really study. um, And and it goes back to my science again. Like with the, the scientific method, you always want to identify and isolate variables, you know? What makes that plant grow? Is it the water? Is it the oxygen or carbon dioxide? Is it the sunlight? Is it da-da-da? And then you have to do experiments to, to see, you know, quantify the effect of each of those um, variables. So with pen and ink, I was like, this shit is challenging. It's hard, man. And it's intimidating. And it's scary because it challenges the very essence of, like, we, do, we have a deep need. Um, or fear of failure. And nothing makes you feel more terrified than drawing with something that is permanent. You know, you draw, you cannot erase the line. So I'm like, I want to make that less intimidating um, for people. I want to break it down to its like individual, basic fundamental building blocks. So I challenged myself over a couple of years to do that. And then I came up with, what I thought was a good system. And um I eventually put it to I'm I'm big on numbers, by the way. And my number, my my favorite number is three. And you'll see that in the next book that I have coming out. Remember that. Um, but but I'm big on numbers and um I wanted to have a system of approaching pen and drawing that was really, really, really simple. So I challenged myself to come up with this this system. And that's when I started doing studies on um, publishing because I, I approached publishers before and I realized the publishing process is like, say for example, you're an artist, you want to write a book, you have this idea, you have this manuscript, you start writing da da da. next step is you submit it to a publisher. They say, Oh, wow, we love this. We love this uh, manuscript. We'd love to publish it for you. Let's get into an agreement. Boom, 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 sign paperwork. You send it off to them. They do their magic. So, You generally don't have much say in how it's laid out because they have a layout designer. Generally, that layout designer uses his templates because he's trying to make his job efficient as possible. So he has five books he's laying out. Yours is number six. So he's going to like find a template and fit your book in that. That's why you see so many art instruction books, they look the same. One of the main problems I had with many art instruction books that were really good but not, uh, the best was that it were, they were, were too wordy. And I'm like, man, it's a drawing book. It's not supposed to be like, people want to see images, you know? Um, cause not everybody wants to read. So I purposely said, okay, you know what? I'm going to design my book. So it's more image driven, you know, there's small blocks of text and make it as minimal as possible. So I have, to, I have to challenge myself now, it to be as concise as possible to say as much as I can with as little words as possible. And I would have these exercises where I would say, okay, I'm going to say this in a hundred words or less, no more. And my rough draft would be like 300 words and I have to chop it all the way down, chop it, chop it. So that gave me a very efficient and concise way to communicate concepts. Right. And that's what I did. So you know, there you go. That's my, my secret to making it simple. So anyway, I, I did this book and um, oh, I'll tell you a really interesting story really quickly. You know, I have a whole bunch of anecdotes. So when I designed a book, right, um, I put out an ad on, on um, Craigslist for to find a book layout designer. Because I was like, I don't know this stuff. So I had started learning. Ad- at, that, at that time, they had... Um, the desktop publishing apps were Adobe InDesign and PageMaker. PageMaker is obsolete now. Anybody knows publishing, they'll know about PageMaker. That was what industries used to, to lay out books. PageMaker is gone. Now it's InDesign. Um, so I had to do a course in InDesign to teach myself how to lay out the book because I wanted to do it myself. I didn't want to work with a publisher. I put out an ad on Craigslist asking people, oh, I'm, I'm a self-published, you know, I'm self-publishing um, I'm publishing a book. Is there any... Um, Someone out there that knows Layout InDesign. So i getting a response from people. Here's yeah, going to be $4,000, $5,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. So one person charged me three. Um, they proposed uh, 3,500. So I reached out to them I'm like, okay, so what do we need to do to get started? They said, well, what you need to do is lay out every single page of the book and exactly what's going to be on each page. So I thought, I'm like, you know, I thought that's what you were going to do. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> so after that I interaction, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this myself. So that's when I started getting books on typography. And I started studying art books, not for the content, just for the layout design. So I would basically like get a ruler and I would measure the size of the heading of a text. I would measure the the space from the top of the page to like the margin, all that stuff, like the, the, the different types of text, like the, the, the chapter heading, main heading, subheading, caption, body text, all that stuff. And started creating a system um, that would be my master for creating the book. And it, it was a grueling process, but I learned so much. And I tell people all the time, like, if I, if I knew about the amount of work, it took before i did it i would not have done it i'd be like peace you know but it was so uh engaging that i i i could not stop so anyway going through that process you you become you develop an intimacy with your content you know and you really know your book
1: what's your favorite kind of pen but but ballpoint and ink w- what are your materials
2: damn you know what is funny cuz i'm trying to make one myself. I'm trying to find a manufacturer because I love I love technical drawing pens because they give me so much control. You know, I have um like that's why I use the uh the pigment microns copy multi-liners a lot because I can get consistent lines but I do love um firm brush pens so they give you some line variation you know ball points I, I like Um, I'm not a big fan of, I love ballpoints for their sketchiness. I can create really light lines. But I would say technical drawing pens. Or a really fine point fountain pen that gives me some nice, I love line with variation, you know? I can go from thick to thin, but not too much like a brush pen because then I, I, you know, it gives up my control and I get paranoid. Like, you know, like, oh my crap, look how this line came out. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So I love technical drawing pens.
1: You know, my second question was like, if you have advice for people who are listening, on just sort of like, you know, not how to become Alfonso Dunn, right? But but sort of like, you know, how do you have a life as an artist?
2: It depends who my who is this advice for? Students, like
1: you know, you know, I, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this are artists.
2: Yeah. I you know what I guess for artists it's so it's so it's messed up, man, but. I would say what I have attribute most of my um, whatever I have achieved, (laughs) I don't know, but it's just being true. Like I love the craft, you know, and that surpasses everything else. Like I don't give a fuck what people may say or like, I love my craft, you know, and I'm in love with like the craft. And that's what I realized. Like it's funny because it's, it's, it's it's my solace, it's my haven, my craft is just like so I there's just staying true to being the best version of yourself in executing that thing. You know what I mean? And I feel for all of us artists, it's inexhaustible. You're always finding a way to learn. And I feel like it's good to find something and try to refine that and not stretch yourself thin trying to, you know, just be resolute on a particular aspect of your craft and just iron that shit out as best you can. like just be married to that, you know, and I feel like that's that's what i've I've found my greatest joy from just saying, you know what, I'm gonna master this shit and I just like I just like stay you know resolute to it and committed to it, like you know, this, I'm going to master this thing, and uh, I would do it because like it's funny. By doing that, I look at my book now and I'm like, man, I need to revise this because there are things that I'm like, no, you know? So it, like being resolute to my craft. And now what I do is like, like with social media, I, I, I removed, I've absorbed myself of all that pressure because now I feel like my, my posts are just exercises for my craft and people enjoy it or they don't, like whatever but they usually do. You know what I mean? And and it's, it's crazy because I'm not thinking about it and that's when people are like, wow! So it's like, stay true to your craft, you know, and just give your energy to that. You know? It, it will repay us. I don't know when or how, but it does. You know? It's it's a blind faith type of thing, but I don't know what to put So
0: where do you see yourself in a way like, You've made it so far. You've got legitimate skill and, like, true things to say. Like, you've really developed in an impressive way as an artist. You have a massive following on Instagram. It seems like the YouTube is going well as well. You're writing books. What, where do you see yourself headed now?
2: I what What I want, and I give myself, like, a two three year timeline i want to i still have still work with autistic children and i love it too. like i feel like nah alphonse you can't do this anymore i need to this third book i it's i'm i'm like over the moon excited about it i wish i could tell you guys about it i wish i could even tell you what the title is because the title is already there um, vivid in my mind, but I can't. I can't put it out there yet because it's so different. I feel like people will be like, "What the hell?" You know. And yeah, don't put it out, someone will steal exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so like, it's, it's 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 like I'm. That's what my my excitement. So right now I'm finishing up my pen and ink drawing course because people have been asking for that since like six seven years. And um, after I do that, then I'm going to finish up my um, my third book which was supposed, and it's ironic. It's, I don't know if irony is the word, but I was suppo- it was supposed to be the second book. But my workbook ended up being the second book. And now this is the third book. And it's the, it's a book about the number three. So it's really crazy. So I, and I have a lot of those instances where numbers and all that. So that's, I want to be able to get this book done. And I just want to travel and teach for a while. I would love to do that just for a year because I've been getting a lot of, you know, offers for doing workshops and stuff like that. But I want to just finish my third book and just, like, tour the book. Like, just do workshops on that. Like, there's an artist. I forgot his name, man. And I saved his Instagram somewhere. And in his profile, he has, like, these little, you know, icons of countries that he has traveled to throughout the year. Oh, my God. That's my dream. I'm like, I want to be able to just post, like, 50 countries. I you know that's where I'm going to be for this year and I just travel and teach. I love interacting oh, with the students. So you have you
0: have so many resources that you have gathered that that I feel like that would be no problem <laughs> for you. That's
1: exciting. Yeah, to me.
2: You know I I want to do that.
1: So before we go where tell uh, tell people where they can find like I don't know, your books, your workshops, anyone who study with Alfonso
2: Dunn. Yeah, my my website is currently under um Reconstruction, because I when I finish the video course, that's where I'll I'll put it. Um, So yeah, people can find me on Instagram, Alfonso Dunn, or I have a moniker, um, Mr. Pen and Ink. I just did that playfully. So a lot of people, oh, why do you change your name? You know, it's like no, I just I'm just having fun, you know. Um, So Alfonso Dunn on Instagram on my YouTube channel. Um, Those are the two main platforms that I I I focus posting content on, and um. I have my two books, Pen and Ink Drawing: A Simple Guide, and the supplementary workbook to that to that guide. And I'm working on the my third book, which is not a pen and ink book. I have like three more pen and ink books to do, but I'm put those on pause because this was my first book that I detoured, deviated from to finish these pen and ink books. So I'm working on my third book, which I'm really, 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 really excited about. And that, yeah, that's that's pretty much what's going on with me right now but you know i I, thanks so much Tina. you know from the first moment you you reached out and you were like i was like oh my god you know it it was just really you know really 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 cool to kind of reconnect and stuff so thanks so much you know and thanks so much for having me guys i really appreciate it this was great it was so nice
3: to be here hey thank you for listening and coming along with us on this long journey i hope you got some good takeaways from this interview I want to let you know that we have an official Grind podcast hotline now. So call us and let us know what sort of creative projects you have going on during these crazy times. Let us know what's on your mind and we'll play it on our next episode. The number is 929-267-4830. Again, it's 929-267-4830. You can find us at artgrindpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. And if you feel like supporting us financially, you can easily hit that donate button on our website. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes. That will really help us. We love all the support we get from our listeners and hope to do our best to bring you more great interviews for you. So be safe out there and stay on the grind.